Now, I like to think that we give out some good, solid advice here on the Membership Guys podcast. And indeed, the feedback that we get from all of you is that the tips and the advice we share on the show help you immensely with your membership. But today is not about good advice. Today is all about terrible advice. The terrible advice that you might be getting about your membership business that you absolutely need to ignore. This is episode 304 of the Membership Guys podcast. Let's do this. You're listening to the Membership Guys podcast, bringing you proven practical tips and advice from the leading experts on growing a successful membership business each and every week. And now, here's your host, Mike Morrison. Hey everyone, how are you doing? Welcome to the latest episode of the Membership Guys podcast. I am your host, Mike Morrison, one half of the Membership Guys. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with me. If this is your first time listening to the show, first of all, welcome. I'm so glad that you found us. Make sure that you hit the subscribe button in your podcast app to ensure that you do not miss a single weekly episode. And if you're a long-time listener, you know I love and appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming back each and every week for all of your great feedback, all your fantastic reviews. We truly appreciate it. Okay, normally here on the Membership Guys podcast, we're all about dishing out good advice. It's right there in the intro, proven practical tips and advice from the leading membership experts. Today, we're taking a different tack and we're talking about advice that frankly sucks. There's a lot of bad advice out there about memberships coming from people who really have no business dispensing advice. They don't have the prerequisite experience. They've maybe just, you know, had a tiny little bit of exposure to the membership world. But for them, that's enough to start telling other people how they should be running and growing their membership businesses. And unfortunately for people like us, we need to wade through this. And it's my job to help you do the same. I need to carve a path through all of the BS that you'll often hear out there about memberships so that you guys don't get bogged down by it. So today I want to share some of the most common bad advice that you might be coming across out there about memberships in the hopes that it'll give you clarity and it'll help you avoid any missteps from following some of this stuff. So the first bit of terrible advice about memberships, it's really a bad, bad take. And that is that you shouldn't start a membership because memberships are dying out. Memberships were a bandwagon that's now running out of steam. It's a fad that is now over. You shouldn't start a membership because they're just not cool anymore. Well, first of all, I mean, come on. If you're building your business and you're basing your strategy around whatever's in vogue this month in terms of business models, then that's the wrong approach anyway. But the notion that you shouldn't start a membership site because it's not the new cool thing is just ludicrous. Come on, this isn't the schoolyard. We just don't do this. Memberships as a business model have been around for a long, long time and they'll be around for longer still. And the truth is you see stuff like this all of the time in the online business space. I've mentioned it before here on the podcast. There's always somebody proclaiming a particular tactic, a particular model to be dead. 
SEO is dead. Email marketing is dead. Social media is dead. Online courses are dead. Memberships are dead. It's dramatically hyperbolic to create clickbait, to create controversy, to get you thinking, to shock you into paying attention. Unfortunately, the only thing that sadly never seems to be dead is this tactic of saying that things are dead. And the people who espouse these views and dish out this advice, they're always people who want to sell you what they're trying to convince you is the next big thing that's taking the place of SEO, email marketing courses, memberships. It's just rubbish. It's a cheap marketing tactic, but unfortunately, it can be easy to fall for. But even when that sort of advice isn't quite as on the nose as you know someone just deciding one day that an entire business model is no longer viable because it's not the in thing or because they had a membership and it didn't work for them and therefore everyone is going to fail the same way that they did. When it's even when it's not as on the nose in terms of being just pure BS as that, there's still the risk of being convinced that memberships just aren't a good business model by people who have an ulterior motive to convince you that that is true. It brings to mind an article that I read by a guy who is the founder of a company that sell, let me see, how can I say this without giving away who it is? They sell a range of plugins, one of which is a one you could use to uh, create a, an online course, right? And he wrote, wrote this uh, thesis, essentially, on his blog, breaking down this notion that memberships are pointless. You shouldn't start a membership. They're a bad business model. And instead, you should be creating online courses because online courses were better and he wrote this magnum opus really tearing down the the membership model to convince people that memberships had died out they were never a great business model they're pointless and there's a better way of doing it but the problem with that was the entire article was based on him setting up this straw man this bad faith argument where he starts the article saying let's say People leave your membership after three months. And let's say you're charging $20 per month. And then he went from there. And so every single argument was based on this idea that if you're starting a membership, your membership is going to have 33.3% monthly churn, which is what it would be if people were leaving after three months. He set that up as the, the straw man, essentially, in his argument against memberships. And then... Of course, it's very easy to tear down the membership model because he's then saying, you know, if people leave after three months, you're only going to make $60 from everyone who joins your membership. Well, that's true, but also you're very, very deliberately choosing the framing around the ne how negatively you portray memberships in order to make it easier for you to extol the virtues of an alternative. But you see a lot of this sort of stuff where people who are making really convincing arguments against memberships being a viable business model, but those arguments are based on a faulty premise. Those arguments are based by setting up this ludicrous straw man position of, you know, well, if you have a membership and everyone leaves after the first month or two, then that's a terrible membership and therefore all memberships are terrible. <laughs> it's just crazy, but... It can be convincing, and as we said, it's not quite as on the nose 
as the sensationalist claims of SEO's dead, memberships are dead. And there's always an angle behind this. As it happens, this article that this particular person had written was coming on the back of him and his company receiving a lot of criticism for the fact that their course plugin didn't support any sort of membership functionality. So there's always an ulterior motive behind this stuff. But unfortunately, some people are taken in by it. Some people fall for it. And even where there's not that ulterior motive, there's not that cynicism kind of already embedded in people who are putting forward this sort of advice. Again, sometimes people are just speaking from such limited experience that their viewpoint, the advice they're giving, really doesn't hold weight. It's like that saying, if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So if all you've ever experienced is success that has come from selling one type of product or running one type of business, then naturally, you're always going to consider that approach to be the approach that works. Because that's what's worked for you. That's where you've had 100% success rate. And it's very easy to to assume that what has worked for you will work identically for somebody else. So that's the first piece of terrible advice to ignore about memberships, that memberships are dying out, that the trend has passed, the bandwagon has gone, no one's interested in memberships anymore, they're not a viable model. The membership industry is perfectly healthy, it's not going anywhere. So don't allow other people to put you off starting a membership, don't allow people to shake your confidence in the membership that you're running right now by this sensationalist nonsense about memberships dying out or by these biased bad faith arguments of why they don't like the membership model and therefore you shouldn't either. So that's terrible advice number one. Terrible advice number two is when people will tell you that you shouldn't start a membership in a crowded market. You shouldn't start a membership in an industry, in a niche where there's already a big player or there's already established competition. That's real, real bad advice. You know, there's nothing new under the sun anymore, but that doesn't mean that you can't add to the conversation. We discussed this back in episode 289, if you head to themembershipguys.com slash 289, when we talked about how you can stand out and how you can compete with established memberships in your market. You know, it's an understandable, natural thing to be scared of the existence of other people in your market, to be wary of competition and to perhaps even allow the existence of competing memberships to be something that puts you off starting your membership and adding to that conversation. But the existence of competition isn't a bad thing. In fact, it can open up more opportunities for you, even if that opportunity is just to be the alternative the alternative to the establishment, to get a little more creative in your positioning and your branding. So we shouldn't be scared off by the existence of competition or be worried that a market is too, uh, too oversaturated to start a membership. In fact, it's more of a worry if there's no competition. There's more of a concern if nobody else is running a membership, selling courses, selling products, teaching within a particular space. That's more of a signal, more of a red flag for there being potential problems because that suggests that either there simply isn't a large enough market or the market is there but it's not a buying market 
and possibly people have tried to start memberships or start other sorts of products within that market and they've just not been able to make it work. So if you're rubbing your hands together in glee at the idea that, you know, you've got a complete category, a complete industry to yourself, nobody else has thought of starting a membership within your space, then actually you might want to take a beat and consider why. The existence of competition isn't a bad thing. It can actually be a good thing. And the truth is, even if there are some really well-established big dogs, big players within your market, there's still room for you. There's still value in you adding to the competition and you being an alternative to people who maybe just aren't having their needs met by the other players. You know, if you felt motivated, if you felt the drive to start a membership within a market where there's already options, there's already memberships there, then you must know that there's something those guys aren't doing. You must know that there's a gap. You must know that there's a need for you. And if you know that, others will know that too. If you know that the established memberships in your space, the establishment, aren't satisfying all the needs of your audience, people will be out there on the other end of that equation feeling unsatisfied, looking for an alternative, looking for someone like you. So even if your market is crowded, there's still room for you. There's still value in adding to the conversation. Somebody might have half of the market locked up, two-thirds of the market locked up, nine-tenths of the market, 90% of the market locked up, But you don't need the whole market. You just need a little piece. You don't need the whole pie. You just need a slice. I'm such a big fan and advocate and believer in the notion of 1,000 true fans. I mention it more times um, than I can count here on the Membership Guys podcast because it's that constant reminder that you don't need a huge audience. You don't need a huge member base. You don't need a huge chunk of your market You can build a business that is more than sustainable, that more than meets your needs, more than meets your goals with a very, very small amount of members. 1,000 True Fans from Kevin Kelly. If you haven't already looked it up from the various times I've mentioned it on the show, look it up. We've got a little video uh, where I talk about it, which will be on the show notes page for this episode at themembershipguys.com slash 304. Again, that concept, that idea that, you know, if you've got this market that has half a million potential people in it, you just need a tiny little slither of that to build a six-figure business. 1,000 members, 1,000 true fans, 1,000 members paying you 50 bucks a month is $50,000 a month, which is $600,000 a year. That's more than enough for a lot of people. So even if you do have a saturated market, even if there are competitors, there's already people doing what you want to do within your space, that's not a reason to run in the other direction, to shut down your dreams, your plans to start a membership site. And if you're getting advice telling you that your market is too oversaturated, you can't start a membership in a crowded market, there's no point in getting involved because there's already big players, That is terrible, terrible advice. Do not listen to them. I'd be more worried if there were no competitors. So that's terrible advice number two. Your market is too oversaturated to start a membership. 
Bad advice number three. We talked about this recently on the show. You shouldn't leave money on the table. Oh my word. I'm not going to go too much into this because we just talked about it back in episode 292. Make sure you listen to that. But this notion that if there's even the hint of an opportunity that you could get your members to buy more from you, coaching, high-level programs, live events, books, other products, one-on-one consulting, then you are crazy if you don't jump onto those opportunities and exploit them. You're doing it wrong. You're not entrepreneurial enough. You're not savvy enough. This notion that if you are not exploiting every possible money-making opportunity, then you're a bad business person because you should not leave. You cannot leave money on the table. What utter BS. These people who tell you it's not enough to just have a membership. You've got to have a product ecosystem. You need to have a value ladder. You must also sell consulting. You must host live events. You must have all sorts of upsells in your business. It's nonsense. Absolute nonsense. It's fine to leave money on the table if it's not a table you want to sit at. If you hate the idea of coaching, don't do it. If running an event sounds exhausting, and believe me, it is, don't do it. If you're perfectly happy being 100% all in, 100% focused on your membership, and you have zero interest in doing anything else, then stick with that. Those people who tell you that you're doing something wrong by doing that, they're like squirrels frantically chasing all of these different nuts, petrified that opportunities to make a few extra bucks are going to go missing. It's such a fear-based mindset, a scarcity-based mindset. You don't want to be that squirrel chasing nuts, constantly distracted by the latest shiny object, the latest monetization opportunity. Shouldn't leave money on the table. What utter nonsense. <laughs> Listen to the membershipguys.com slash 292 for more rants on that topic and more validation that actually, if you make the decision to just go all in, on your membership to make that your focal point, that actually is a braver decision that takes a lot more strategical now, so a lot more strategical awareness than being a hyperactive squirrel running around chasing all these different quote-unquote opportunities. So bad advice, bad take number three, you can't leave money on the table, are you crazy? It's money. Yeah, right. Bad advice number four, you have to use scarcity to sell. Oh man, this is a big one. Uh, This gets bandied around so, so often and it is so, so wrong. This notion that if you don't use some form of scarcity, some scarcity tactic in your sales and in your marketing, then people won't buy right now. They don't have a reason to buy today because there's no urgency. And that's a bad thing because you have to get people to buy today. There's people out there giving this as business advice, as sales advice, as marketing advice, and it's terrible. There's two things that's wrong with this notion that you have to have, you need to have scarcity to sell, otherwise you're doing it wrong. First thing that's wrong with that idea, number one, urgency, the urgency to buy comes from having an awesome product. It comes from having the solution to someone's problem and the time being right. Think of the last 
10 things that you bought. How many of those buying decisions were made because there was a ticking clock, a deadline? And how many were made just because you had a need that the product satisfied? Or because the product was just cool, it was just awesome? Or because you just wanted it? How many day-to-day buying decisions require scarcity? Very few. So this idea that the urgency to buy, the drive to buy, only comes from scarcity is nonsense. So that's the first thing wrong with this notion that you need scarcity in your sales approach because you've got to get people to buy right now. The second thing that's wrong with this is the idea that you need to get people to buy right now. Otherwise, you've failed. Otherwise, your marketing's ineffective. Why do you need them to buy right now? Why have they got to buy today? Why are you so scared of them taking a little more time to buy or the time not being quite right for them now? Why is that such a bad thing? There's such a fear-based mindset behind this inclination to try to force the sale as fast as as possible. But more often than not in business, you've got to dance around the handbag a little. You're not going to propose to someone on the first date, right? But that's what so many online business owners are trying to do. They're trying to engineer these funnels, these conversion paths to force a situation where someone buys right here, right now in the shortest possible time. They're not even entertaining the notion that it might be worth developing and nurturing the relationship with their audience so that when they do join the membership, they're more likely to be a better fit. They've joined because the time was right, not because they were forced. They're a better customer, a better member who sticks around for a long time. This is what marketing is. It's priming the pump. It's greasing the wheels. It's feeding the pipeline building trust, building that relationship so that you're top of mind when your potential customer, your potential member is ready to buy. You don't need people to join your membership as soon as they find you. It's not a failure if someone discovers you and doesn't sign up there and then. Some people will. Some people will have been looking for you all their lives. They find you, they're convinced, they sign up there and then they're happy. Job done. That's great. But a lot of people won't for a variety of reasons. And that's okay. You don't need everyone to join today. You don't want everyone to join today. There's far more chance if everyone signs up as soon as they find you. There's far more chance of buyer's remorse. There's far more chance of them realizing after the fact, actually, maybe the timing wasn't perfect. Memberships aren't about just getting that sale Memberships are about keeping that sale month after month, year after year. And so we as membership owners have a vested interest in ensuring that we are attracting people who are the right fit for our membership. We are attracting people who are likely to stick around for months and years. And so developing that relationship, building that trust, nurturing that connection, priming the pump, feeding the pipeline is actually better for us long-term than trying to engineer a situation where someone has to buy in that instant. Otherwise, they're dead to you. And that sounds dramatic, but seriously, that's a good description of how a lot of marketers, a lot of salespeople online treat things. 
if they don't get a lead to convert within that very short window, they write them off. They're done. It's such a bad approach and it's a one driven from fear. From fear that if they can't force the situation now, then their membership, their product is unable to sell itself on its own merits. You get a far greater caliber of member when you enable them to join when they're ready. Not when you want them to join, join when they want to join. And so it's your job as a marketer to ensure that when that time comes, you're their number one choice. Even if it takes months to get there. The average time to purchase for Membership Academy is two and a half months. So from the instant someone discovers us, they consume a piece of blog content, they opt into our email list for one of our freebies, they join our Facebook group. The average time from that initial engagement with us to someone joining is two and a half months. A lot of people join us right away, but not everyone does. For some, the timing simply isn't right. And if we try to force that sale and get them to join right away, they wouldn't stick around. But if we bring them into our world, we keep them engaged, we have them consuming content, we have them listening to the podcast, they read our emails, they engage in our Facebook group, we're nurturing that connection, we're building that trust, we're earning our place at the top of their mind. Then when they do join, they're a better member for having engaged with us beforehand. And you might be saying, but Mike, I can't wait two and a half months. I need sales today. Well, you're going to get those sales today and they're going to come from the people who found you two and a half months ago. Remember, marketing is about priming the pump. It's about feeding that pipeline. So while the time to buy from initial discovery to the day someone enrolls might be two and a half months, We've got that steady, consistent stream of people joining each and every day, and we get hundreds of people joining us every single month because we've always got that pipeline being fed. Now, if you have a closed-door membership, so you're only open for people to join once or twice a year, then yes, there's more of a need to have people to join today because in two and a half months' time, your doors will be closed and they can't join. But that's the hilarious thing, because there's a circular logic from people who promote the idea of having a closed-door membership as being the better approach than an open-door membership. They tell you, these people tell you, that you should close your doors because that's the way you create scarcity and you need scarcity to sell. But the only reason you need that scarcity is because you're closing the doors and making it impossible to sell without scarcity. You're cutting off the pipeline by closing the doors. So you have to get people to join right now. Whereas if the doors were open, you wouldn't need to rely on scarcity. It's nuts. (laughs) You've got to close your doors to create scarcity. Scarcity that you only need because you can't have a gentler approach, you can't have a more organic approach, you can't have a pipeline because you've closed the doors. It's insane, but, you know, people get convinced by this because it sounds clever. If you need further convincing around just how unimportant scarcity is in the buying decision, I encourage you to read a very short book, but a a very worthwhile read called Open Every Day by Russell Lachlan. Um, If you go to openeverydaybook.com, this adds a whole extra perspective to this whole subject coming from Russell's experience of actually being involved in the launch model, involved in marketing practices that were all about scarcity and just seeing how how much it's 
nonsense, right? So, whew, really pulled out the soapbox on that one, but hopefully the message gets through. And this isn't saying scarcity is a bad thing. If you've got genuine scarcity, if you if you do have a closed door membership and you don't want to change that model and the doors are closed for a specific reason, then yes, you're going to use scarcity. If you've got tickets to an event, if you are limited by capacity, then yes. If you can use genuine scarcity, then yes, it can be powerful. But this idea that you need scarcity to sell is crazy. And it's the reason we get people popping up in our Facebook group saying, hey, I've got an open door membership, but I know that I need to have something uh, based around scarcity to get members. What should it be? How can I use scarcity when I'm open all the time? You don't need to. You really, really don't need to. All right. So that's our fourth piece of terrible advice. You need scarcity to sell your membership. If you don't, it can't be successful. Rubbish. All right, and the final piece of terrible, terrible advice is kind of on a similar vein to the one before because it does relate to having a closed-door membership model. Now, I do, again, have to point out I'm not totally against closing the doors of your membership if it's for the right reasons. I've discussed that back in episode 267. There's definitely some situations and scenarios where closing the doors makes a hell of a lot more sense than having them open. However... There's one piece of advice I've seen dished out about this model, which is absolute hot garbage. And that's people being told that closing the doors means you do less work. The argument goes that if you close the doors to your membership, well, then you don't need to do as much work because you don't have to think about marketing your membership while the doors are closed. People can't enroll, so you don't need to market. Why would you market when they can't join? So you've got less to worry about, less work to do. You can kick back and relax knowing that you don't have to even think about marketing while the doors to your membership are closed. This is completely not a nonsense. Of course you need to think about marketing because even if you're only open once or twice a year, you still need leads coming in. You still need traffic coming in. You still need people on your email list. You still need to keep your social channels active, your followers engaged. You need to stay on people's radar. Otherwise, when it comes time to open the doors to your membership, you're going to have no momentum to propel you to a successful launch. It's crazy. I heard something from one of the main proponents of this type of advice, the person this advice comes from the most. <laughs> and they were talking about the fact that they had had their mind blown when they heard someone suggest that it might be important to show up and market your business in between launches. They heard someone say that you need to show up between launches and it totally blew their mind. It's not something they'd ever considered before. This is someone who considers themselves a marketing expert. <laughs> they hadn't considered that you might market yourself and your business in between launches. I mean, what? <laughs> Isn't that obvious? I mean, of course you need to market in between launches. You still need to show up you still need to market, you still need to grow your audience, you still need to publish content, you still need to build trust to solidify your place at the top of your audience's mind so that when you open those doors, those people are primed. They are hanging on your every word. They are chomping at the bit to join. They're telling all their friends, you know that guy whose podcast I've been listening to? 
You know that person who sends out those really valuable tips? You know that that person who is just hilarious on Twitter or shares all these really insightful Instagram stories? Man, they've just launched this thing. They've just opened this door to this thing. I'm going to join. You've got to join. That should be obvious, right? It should be obvious that you need to market between launches. But there are people out there telling you, you don't need to think about marketing. And that's so great. That's a great reason to close the doors to your membership because it means you can do less work because you don't have all this day-to-day marketing to worry about. So while I'm not the biggest fan of the closed door membership model, I know this industry well enough to accept that there are absolutely some strong reasons in favor, some big pros for this approach. But the idea that closing the doors means you only do half the work because you can forget about marketing between launches is definitely not one of those reasons. All right, I'm going to stop now because I could probably keep going because unfortunately there is a lot of bad advice that people have to wade through in the membership space. But these are five of the most commonly found, most garbage takes that I see out there. The first being that memberships are dying out or there's no point starting a membership because if you have a membership and everyone leaves after three months, then it's a rubbish business. Therefore, memberships are a rubbish business. I mean, come on. Nonsense. Bad advice number two is that if there's already competitors in your space, your market might be a little oversaturated. You should not start a membership. There's no point if there's already competitors. Bad advice. Bad advice number three, you can't leave money on the table. Again, check out episode 292 for a bit longer of me ranting about that and going a little more into that area. Bad advice number four is that you need scarcity to sell. You cannot sell without scarcity. Yes, you can. People do it every day. Think of the last 10 things you bought. How many of those did you buy because of scarcity? That should be all I need to say on the matter, really. Like, just look outside this space, look outside this bubble, look outside of the world that internet marketers seem to occupy, and look at how business works in the real world. Look at how marketing and sales work in the real world, day to day. You don't need scarcity to sell. Can it be a powerful tool in your arsenal? Yes, if used smartly and sparingly, but your sales and marketing strategy and your membership business are not going to fall apart if you don't have a ticking clock somewhere. It's not a particularly sophisticated strategy to put a countdown on something. So, you know, anyway. And then the final piece of real bad advice that I'm so tired of seeing about memberships is that closing the doors to your membership, having a closed door model means you do less work because you don't need to market between launches. Ah, man, I'm, I'm kind of almost thoroughly depressed, bordering on angry and annoyed at revisiting some of this advice that I've seen, even having to like regurgitate some of the nonsense that is out there about memberships in order to give context to why it's nonsense. Even that, it's bugged me that the words have come out my voice, but I do hope that my plight has helped you out by better equipping you to know what is nonsense, to fight back against those bad takes, to trust your BS detector, which is no doubt going off when you see stuff like this, doing the rounds in the online membership space. Because if you're listening to the show, I know you're a smart cookie because, you know, smart membership owners listen to this show. 
now that I'm buttering you up or anything like that, but we generally find that the audience of this podcast are pretty darn switched on. So you probably already know that this is all nonsense anyway, but if you've had any doubt, hopefully today's episode has helped to assuage those and helped you to verify that your BS detector is working just fine. And yeah, if you've been suckered in by any of this sort of stuff people have been talking about, then hopefully this is a little jolt into the reality of the membership business space. All right, that is it. I'm going to end this before I decide to pull the soapbox out and just rant about a bunch of extra things. I do hope you've enjoyed this episode, that you found my little rant entertaining, informative, and that you are now better equipped to avoid the terrible advice that is so rife within this wonderful world of online memberships. You're not going to get terrible advice by keeping it here with the Membership Guys podcast, so I do hope that you will do just that and join me again next week for another installment of the number one podcast for membership owners. I am out, and I'll see you next time.